As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, this is David Ubbin. A quick note about today's show. Shortly after we recorded, it was reported that out of an abundance of caution, Florida had paused all team activities on Tuesday afternoon. This weekend's game against LSU is still in doubt, but there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of questions, and all that adds up to being something that's not really conducive to a conversation on a podcast. Now, come back tomorrow on Thursday's show. Myself and Mitch Light will have plenty of conversation, but just know that today's show was recorded before that news had broken, so we'll get to that later in the week. Now, on to today's show with myself and Josh Kendall. Welcome to another Wednesday edition of Football and Grits. I am your host, David Ubbin, and like every Wednesday, I am here with Josh Kendall. We both are on the Athletics College football team, covering the SEC, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, Josh, before we get into it, what was your biggest takeaway from the week that we just witnessed in, in college football? My biggest takeaway, clearly, and I think the nation's biggest takeaway is that Jeremy Pruitt seems to believe that COVID is transmitted through your ears. <laughs> I can't I, I, I can't get my mind fully around how frustrated I am with Jeremy Pruitt. So on a couple of levels, first of all, how goofy he looks. I mean, we have we've addressed this, I realize, on social media, but this is pulling non-football people into the discussion. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's his contribution to SEC football. But my wife, who is a football not not an enthusiast she's aware of things she has some games on but she's not a football fan but she's texting me pictures of sir robin from monty python <laughs> and the resemblance is you know frankly pretty uncanny with sort of the big uncovered face hole and sir robin if you remember has even got like a checkered board suit of armor we've seen all the et things i mean I, he, all he has done is create like a funnel for the COVID to be more directly spewed into the face <laughs> of the people he's talking about. And 
you know, we have to we have to watch these guys who are making four million dollars a year, who will run an entire football team full of twenty year olds until they puke if one of them loses their cool or does something dumb in the heat of a very physical football game, and yet they can't get this kind of one pretty simple thing right. Lane Kiffin looks like he's going to rob a damn stagecoach every <laughs> weekend. I mean, Nick Saban has got the big whatever the Vader thing he's got. I'm just I'm, – I think like, those are Nike-issued. The the Kirby and Saban were rocking those this weekend. They may be Nike-issued. I just know that once Nick started wearing one, everybody had to get one. It's, the, you know, <laughs> it's more of the Sabanization of the SEC. Saban also should never wear a baseball cap. I don't know if I was the only one who had a trouble recognizing him on the sideline with the baseball cap. I think there was a direct impact between that and them playing better in the second half when they took it off. But, you know, we have get-back coaches, so I think we now need mask coaches. I think you just need a strength coach standing behind them, <laughs> keep it, you know, pulled up, you know, over their mouth, over their nose. I, I just it, it frustrates me to no end. But I'm anyway, curious. You wanted I, to talk, I'd like you, to see. I'd you like meant to football. See every Did coach's... you mean football? You meant a football thing, didn't you? No, I meant mask usage. Oh, good. Let's go. Uh, I've got 20 no, everyone, minutes. We can do I, I'm curious how every coach reached their reached their conclusion of, of what they were going to use, but uh, we'll see. Maybe that's a story for another day. Well, uh, appreciate everybody. Welcome to the show. Appreciate everybody from subscribing and, and listening. Uh, we enjoy making it. Thank you, guys. You, you make it happen. Please leave us a review. Give us a five-star rating. It helps get the word out. And, of course, if you like the show, tell a friend. Full week of content. Once again, coming to you on Football and Grits and on the Athletics app. If you uh, are not a subscriber, you should change that. You can subscribe uh, to the athletic.com backslash grits. You can read Josh's coverage, my coverage, all of our college football team, Stu Mandel, Bruce Feldman, Andy Staples, of course, who you can hear on this show on Mondays and the Andy Staples show. Uh, and if you're a subscriber, you can listen to our show inside the app ad-free. Well, Josh, uh, the first really, uh, you know, gargantuan game of the century of the season, uh, we are ahead. Georgia and Bama, uh, I think it's going to be a different kind of game of the century. I don't know that 9-6 is going to be the final score. It might be the score midway through the first quarter. I don't know how many good teams there are in college football, but I know that Alabama and Georgia are two of them. Tennessee's pretty good. Georgia made them look pretty bad. Uh, they dominated that game. They forced the issue. They're so good on both lines. But when you look ahead to this game, uh, one of the games of the year, if not the game of the year, what are you most excited to see? Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's a fascinating matchup that comes down kind of to which Achilles heel do you like the most or dislike the least? amazingly we're going into this game talking about whether Alabama can get their defense in order and Georgia has looked good in the last two weeks but I still don't trust that offense to go win a game for them so does Georgia's off defense which looks like a monster can it stop Alabama more than Alabama's really squishy defense can stop a much less potent Georgia offense and that's Mm -hmm. what it's going to come down to I'm I am in the – Georgia's going to have to beat Alabama before I'm going into that game-picking Georgia category, and I'm going to be in there until we see something different on the field. I think that despite all of Alabama's weaknesses, they have dudes on defense. And Stetson Bennett's athleticism has 
helps Georgia in, at times. And I just don't know that he's going to be able to steal any first downs scrambling out of the pocket against those Alabama dudes. And I think that could be the difference. You know, the two or three times that he can't turn that corner and pick and get to the sticks versus when he could do it against Tennessee. And he's done it before that. So for, for me in a game that I, I hope will be very close and very good, that to me is the difference. And that's why I like Bama, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think you look at that Tennessee game, you look what Georgia's able to do. There was a lot of uh, just, nah, son. <laughs> nah, not going anywhere uh, to Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's got a lot of talent up front, but those guys, those guys haven't played together very much, um, the offensive line, that is. Um, you know, I, I think they're still trying to figure out you know who they are. The freshmen are still trying to grow. I'm not sure that Bama's going to overwhelm Alabama's front nearly as much. There was a lot of miscommunication from Tennessee as well. Some missed assignments, more so in the running game. Uh, most of their big sacks were given up. You know, the the sack fumbles were just guys getting beat off the edge um, or guys not being able to chip right. Uh, those big plays um, were just Georgia being great. I don't think we're going to see that from, from, from Alabama. But I, I think the thing I'm most excited for is just, man, these games, there's so much talent on the field. They, they look like NFL games sometimes. Uh, it's just It's like they're playing a different sport. Than everyone speed, else, you the know, speed is striking. Speed and size, and and it's just it's amazing to watch. I think you know the last game we saw that was kind of like this. I think was probably Clemson, Ohio State. Um, you know, Clemson LSU was not the most competitive game, but Clemson, Ohio State. You know, when you see these two teams that are are pretty equal to one another, uh, with just so much NFL talent, so much size, so much speed. It is it is the game at its absolute best, um, and I think this could be a classic too. Uh, you know, I just, that's the thing that, that really gets me excited about these because, you know, as somebody who loves college football, seeing two teams that really are just the best the sport has to offer go head to head. And of course the storylines outside of that, you know, you mentioned, you know, Georgia trying to get over that Alabama hump. So much of what Georgia is trying to do and trying to build is about, how do we catch Bama? And, right. you know, as much as Tennessee had a measuring stick game of their own last week, this is Georgia's measuring stick game. You know, all the things that we've been working for, uh, all the things that, that, that we've been doing, are they enough? And they get to find out on Saturday. And that is uh, compelling, compelling television. Yeah, and I think, again, to go back to quarterbacks, I don't think that Mac Jones is going to respond the way that Jarrett Garantano did in some of those situations. I've got mm-hmm. a ton of respect for Jarrett Garantano as a survivor in this league, as a guy who has just kept on putting one foot in front of the other and has given his team a chance to win a bunch of games. But, you know, when when that pressure got to him, and Lord knows it would do it to most of us, he, he did not respond well. I think Mac Jones will respond better, and I think he's got the weapons behind him and the system behind him to make Georgia hurt when they don't get there yeah so i just that bama offense we 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 came out of Ole miss talking about the last week talking about how good their offense was and we've kind of gotten numb to what alabama is doing offensively um you know if we could just have a game where you give alabama the ball all the time and come up with some sort of scoring system there and just let (laughs) alabama's offense and georgia's defense play the full 60 minutes that would be a much more compelling game because that's gonna be fun I would watch that. I would absolutely watch that. Uh, turn it to a spring game store in spring game scoring, and let's have this. Uh, let's have this thing get really weird. 
Absolutely. Some sort of staple. Is it golf? They call it the Stapleton scoring. We need yes. something like that. So every, <laughs> every negative, you get a point for every, let's say if you got a point for every negative yard that Georgia's defense created versus total points for Alabama. I think that's a decent, right? That's a decent number. Well, the, the key know, so, is we got to go back and once they play this game, let's just rescore the game and we'll find out who okay. really won. We'll do that. That's for, for next week's show, we will come up with your actual <laughs> winner of the Alabama-Georgia game. Stay tuned. I like it. Well, but I mean, Georgia, Georgia doesn't run the ball great offensively. Yeah. That, Georgia averages less than four yards a rush. I mean, so as much as they mashed Auburn, and that's kind of – it may be in people's minds. Tennessee held up offense, against them, yeah. Yeah, that offense is just not enough of a force for me. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like George Pickens, Kyrus Jackson on the outside, but, but the running game, they've got the backs. They just haven't been able to, to carve the holes. Um, you know, I think certainly, you know, they would have – like to have kept Cade Mays. That's a big part of that as well. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think they were rebuilding a lot there too. I think they might uh, improve as the season goes along. But, you know, you get Alabama in week four, and, and that's what it is. We know about Georgia and Alabama. I'm sure about them. Those are good teams um, that are not going anywhere. Um, you know, 9-1, and one, worst case scenario, 8-2, and two, worst case scenario sort of situations there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As far as the teams that we are not sure about at all, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, they've looked shaky. They got beat up by Georgia. Last week they narrowly escaped. Some would say unfairly escaped uh, by the narrowest of margins at Arkansas. South Carolina this week, What? first of all, what did you take away from South Carolina finally getting a win uh, against Vanderbilt? Can you really learn much about South Carolina in a game like that? I think Vanderbilt is... Uh, it's going to be a long year in Nashville. Yeah, no, I don't think you learn anything, frankly, about South Carolina from that. They're playing – not only are they playing Vandy, bless their heart, they're playing a Vandy team that was three players above the threshold for postponement in the SEC that we have now seen fall below that threshold. So a Vandy team that was not good from the get-go that was just barely hanging on by a thread from a personnel standpoint. Mm-hmm. Now – that doesn't mean that South Carolina didn't get something out of that game. What they got was just a little confidence, which is important for all college teams, I think, but especially those that are in the middle to the lower rung who are trying to fight to take a step forward. So they have a little confidence. And this is, I mean, this is hard to wrap my head around, and I'm assuming it's a hard thing for other people to wrap their head around. Statistically, South Carolina is a better football team than Auburn three games into the season. Now, South Carolina stats are padded by Vandy. Again, God bless them. Thank them for everything they do. <laughs> they for got the some SEC good exercise, to be fair, for for, te- for teams in the SEC. Yards per play, yards per play defense. South Carolina has outperformed Auburn. I'm having tough time translating what I traditionally think of Auburn and kind of what I expected of them to be this year with what I've seen for three for three games, which is not a good football team. So. This presents an opportunity for South Carolina that 
I didn't expect to be there at the beginning of the season, which is to kind of write their ship that, you know, they're, they're the underdog for the reason. They're rightly the underdog. But this is suddenly a winnable game, which I wouldn't have thought a month ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at Auburn, it was easy to kind of dismiss the Georgia loss. You know, oh, Georgia, they're going to squeeze everybody. And that's true to an extent. Um, but you go to Arkansas, Arkansas is better. Arkansas is tough. But they didn't have any business. You know, you, you got to go in there if you're if you're going to be a a team that people thought that Auburn was before the season. You got to go into Arkansas. You don't have to roll them over, but you got to you got to win. You don't need you don't need to get a little help from the from the stripes to uh, uh, to win that ball game. So when you look at this as an opportunity for South Carolina, who you know I think we're still not quite sure how good they are necessarily yet. What are the things that South Carolina has to do? to get that win um, that, that, they, that they need would, that would validate them a little bit um, and, and get them to two and two. They have to, number one, make sure that Bo Nix doesn't hurt them outside of the pocket. They have not been good about that, despite the fact that they, how much they talk about getting better at it. They have not been good against guys who extend plays. They have not, the secondary has been a problem all year long. So, the play that I'm envisioning in my head that is keeping Will Muschamp up at night is they've got something defended pretty well. Bo Nix comes pulling out of the pocket there. The, the safeties get their eyes coming downhill and looking at Bo Nix, and somebody's gone over the top. You know, we could certainly see one of those highlights this week where you've got an Auburn receiver 25 catching a ball 25 yards behind any South Carolina defender. That's the nightmare scenario. We've seen that before with a quarterback like Bo Nix. We could see it again. Offensively, Kevin Harris is quietly having a really nice year. Marshawn Lloyd was going to be the guy here, the star freshman, didn't get it done. Now they've got Kevin Harris, a guy who didn't have a ton of offers coming out of school, but it runs really hard, short, 225 pounds, squats more than 600 pounds, a neat story, and the type of guy who on a good day could give you 25 carries, get that time of possession to close to 40 minutes and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've been obviously to a game in South Carolina on the road this year. It's not the usual situation, but it's it's not a neutral field. It's pretty it's, – it's a road atmosphere, and I just – I don't trust Auburn. I think Auburn – you know, certainly on on uh, a bit of an upset alert there, and and I agree with you. A big opportunity for South Carolina uh, elsewhere in the division. You know, Tennessee, as fans are wont to do, the first time their team loses a game, folks are hitting the panic button a little bit around Tennessee and the fan base. Anyway, you know, there's a lot of consternation about oh, we got to bench Garantano, despite the fact that you know the coaches are in practice every single day. If they had a better option. Uh, they would go to it. They don't have it. Um, you know the mistakes and you know the the plays that we saw Georgia make. You know, were mostly Tennessee getting getting beaten up front by better players. There were some communication issues. There were some issues. I don't think that that was a situation where Tennessee gets exposed uh, at all. I think they. Um, it's just Georgia showing out. You know, it's Georgia being great. Um, UGA is just that much better right now. But this week. They get Tennessee. I'll, I'll call it a TCB game. You got to take care of business. Uh, if you are who people think you are, getting beat by a Georgia like that, I don't think is a, is a, uh, a game where Tennessee gets exposed. Because I think, again, I don't think anybody that was really honest thought Tennessee 
was ready to go toe-to-toe with them. The talent wasn't quite there. They needed a lot of things to fall in place. It was possible, of course, um, but they were not going to be able to just play with them. Georgia, you got to win that. I mean, uh, Kentucky, you got to win that game. There's no excuses there. Uh, Tennessee has been historically dominant. Even in Tennessee, having a rough season in 2018, they, they beat up on a you know one of the best Kentucky teams you know ever. Um, so Tennessee is really really interesting this weekend because you get beat up a little bit by Georgia, but you got to bounce back, come back. These are the types of games that Tennessee has proved that they can win for. Basically, exactly one year. You you got to keep winning these games. The South Carolinas, the Kentuckys, the Missouris, the teams that you think you're better than. You, you have to prove it every single year. You can't just lose these games every now and then, and then just assume you're better than these teams. You you have to beat them every single year, all the time. That's what Tennessee did when it was at its peak. Um, and so this is again a, a big game for for Tennessee because this is another time that they have to prove. You know, Georgia didn't expose them. You lose to Kentucky, you're exposed a little bit. I think that 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 maybe the streak was not as impressive as people thought. And, and Kentucky too dominated the Vols in the first quarter. You know, they had Lynn Bowden there uh, last year, but Tennessee had to dig themselves out of a hole. What what do you make of Tennessee at this point in the year, Josh? I guess with apologies to Dennis Green, Tennessee is what I thought Tennessee was. I never <laughs> expected them to compete against Georgia. I thought that their ceiling this year was the the best of the rest, mm-hmm. uh, and I still think that. I still think that needs to be their mindset, and that speaks to your point. If you're going to be the best of the rest, you got to beat Kentucky. If you went into that game thinking, well, we're at Georgia's level, and now you spend – three or four days this week tripping over your lip because you're just clearly not and you never were, you might lose to Kentucky. Then you've got a problem. So Mm -hmm. you're right. You've got to flush that. You've got to say, you know, we got more recruiting to do. We got more off-season workouts to do to get there. But right now we got to put the next foot in front of the other one, and that's to beat a Kentucky team that's going to have a little momentum now, going to have a little confidence is, not, is is a competent football team that you are going to have to beat, that you can't just expect to beat themselves despite what we saw the first two games of the year. So, yeah, I think that Tennessee is right back in into the competition that I expected them to be in, which is third place in the SEC East, although if Florida's defense doesn't get fixed, maybe second place in the best in the SEC East. Yeah, Florida, Florida losing to, to A&M was, was a little surprising. We'll see. I, I think I'm still – a little, I felt my my preseason Florida skepticism uh, validated a little bit, but we'll see. When you look around the rest of the conference, um, Josh, I, I wanted to point to the, the things that, that you're most excited for. And we touched on Florida. I, I want to see is, is Florida, you know, is A and M good? Is A and M just going to be? you know, a lot better than they were the first couple weeks of the season? Or is that a is that a red flag game for Florida? LSU is a great test. LSU has really uh, struggled. It looks like the, the rebuild is, is not going well, at least in, in year one of the rebuild. I think you're, you're sort of raising eyebrows. You go on the road and you lose to an A&M team that's been unimpressive but is still talented. You lose at home to LSU. That's a that's a five alarm fire situation for Florida. You're certainly not competing with Georgia, Tennessee fans, and, and Tennessee. Now all of a sudden that you're wondering if you're not the second best team in the East. Uh, so I, I'm I've got my eyes on Florida this weekend. Um, that's a that's an interesting tester of a game because LSU has not played very well. I think their defense is ripe to give up. I mean, 
name your number, I think, to, to this Florida offense. Um, but if it doesn't happen, Florida, I mean, LSU still has good players. They're still talented. They can win that game. So I want to know what Florida is, and I think we'll find out this week. If, if they can lay the hammer down, then that tells me, A, either they didn't play very well or LSU or, or A&M is just a, 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 you know, the team that some of us thought they were in the preseason. I think I thought they were the second best team in the West. Uh, what, what, what game or what situation are, are you most excited to see uh, this weekend, Josh? Well, I'm, cu- I'm curious if Florida loses to LSU, how many fans Dan Mullen will want in the swamp the following home game. <laughs> I mean, what is that? That is honestly in, in a ridiculous league with a ridiculous history. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen to be that ham-handed in your response after you lose a football game the first thing out of your mouth say well we got to put 90,000 people shoulder to shoulder during a pandemic because that's the only way my defense can win I mean, nobody in the league goes more quickly from hey that guy was a likable happy-go-lucky guy to what in the world is he talking about than Dan Mullen when he wins and loses I, you know I, that was weird and irresponsible and you know, the SEC. Let's find Dan Mullen. I'm. I'm. We're going to flag coaches for not wearing masks. I want. I want 15 yard penalties if you can't manage to pull your mask over your dang nose. And I want Dan Mullen to get fined for suggesting that we should ignore a pande- a literal pandemic, so that his defense maybe won't stink. So but you're, you're right. So, so hang on. So you're saying that we as a nation should not be taking our cues on public health from college football coaches. Is that what you're saying? That is exactly what i'm saying to get nothing else from this this half hour or so that you spend with us today it's that don't listen to anything football coaches say except uh when it pertains to football and only football and that's it i'm just you know i i'm frustrated by these people i'm just frustrated i'm sorry yeah i was it was interesting hearing that after the game you know, that was, I get it. I'm sure he's frustrated. You know, I'm sure, you know, I, I kind of figured, well, you know, it is what it is. But then the, the Monday double down was like, was kind of amazing. That's yeah. when you're like, oh, oh, okay. That's what we're doing. We're doing this. Okay. Well, good luck to him for, for you know, if they want to find 90,000 people that want to show up to a game, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, risk their own health. I he's gonna have even have less to... people who want to show up the way he's playing. Yeah, exactly. So you're 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 burning the candle at both ends at that point. Uh, irresponsible, I would say, would be a, a good descriptor. Like, you know, there, there's a. I just think it's frustrating. There's a middle ground here. It's like, you know, you don't have to. Uh, everyone has doesn't have to lock themselves in their closet and you know never come out of their homes again during a pandemic. But there's a middle ground. This idea that oh, we just we got to get back to normal. That's how we, you know, a virus is not terrorists. Like if we don't show up to games ninety thousand strong, that doesn't mean the vi- that doesn't mean the virus wins. Like it's uh it's a little bit insane, and it is what it is. I think it's you know there are, are things you can do to try and operate as safely as possible during a pandemic, and you know even those are are. Certainly the argument for those things being iffy or unnecessary, I think I definitely have open ears to those things. But packing 90,000 people uh, for any reason in any venue, indoor or outdoor, uh, not a great idea. Uh, so uh, 
I can't say I disagree with your idea that uh, the SEC would be within its rights to uh, to drop a fine for uh, trying to pressure folks to do stuff like that. You there? Yeah, sorry. I, I gotcha. I'm just I'm just literally sitting here shaking. You can't see me. I know it's a podcast. I'm just shaking my <laughs> head. I'm so frustrated by Dan Mullen. That that pause was just me shaking my head in disapproval of 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 Dan Mullen. So I want that noted somehow on our. I'm sure they can you know note that somewhere on the on the tape. In terms of you know back to football, you talked about Texas A and M. You know, I'm intrigued by Texas A and M, Mississippi State. You know, KJ Gus Costello is leading the nation in interceptions with nine. I mean, he's he's headed to ten with a bullet. But at the same time, you know, does Texas A and M get a little over their skis after coming off of a win? And you know, Mike Leach, we've done the big unexpected win the really ugly loss and now the i'm kicking all these idiots off the team week to week to week so now we're due back around for a big win right it's not how that you i think you you're more familiar with the mike leach yeah experience, that's, that's but now the full it's, mike leach experience in the in three weeks they've been through it already so uh, but now we're doing but now we're back guess. to play really well and throw for 500 yards right so that could be an intriguing game I believe so. Uh, we'll see about the SEC defensive athletes, you know, allowing that. I think I'd like to see a breakdown of the uh, just defensive recruiting numbers from the Big Twelve and the Leach era, and the Pac twelve the last five years for for you know uh, a lesser extent, and the SEC because it's it, they really are trying to run their offense against a different breed of athletes. And, and, you know, for our loyal listeners, you know, Andy Staples has talked about, well, Mississippi State's got better athletes too. I think that's true. But the idea that it's it's difficult to cover, you know, uh, a 54-yard field is, uh, you know, they use every inch of that space, and that's the whole, you know, uh, building block of their offense. But when you got a lot of speed and you got guys who can get a push up front, that space shrinks in a hurry, and, and we'll see. It has not been a – Great trajectory for the Mississippi State football program the last three weeks. It's been fun to watch from afar, though. It has, and I think that's going to be the uh, Mike Leach experience. I think I, I mean, I've said it before. You know, when people talked about him for the Tennessee job, I said that's going to be a super fun three or four years, <laughs> and that's that's. Uh, we'll see where that's going at Mississippi State. It's going a little bit better in Oxford. That'll be a fun game as well. Uh, the Hogs and and, uh, and Rebels going toe to toe in Fayetteville. That'll do it for this week's show. Josh, thank you uh, for coming on. And, and uh, once another, once again, another Wednesday show. Always fun. Bringing the, uh, bringing the heat for us. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Leave us a review, a rating. Makes the show better. Tell a friend. And subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. Listen to us without ad breaks. I know that's a dream of all dreams. So thank you. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Myself and Mitch Light will be here talking more SEC football.